I don't claim to be the, the best singer or the fanciest singer, but uh, that song came on my heart this week. I guess it was one of those earworms uh, Brother John was talking about. Uh, and uh, a lady in, in the church that I grew up in, she always sung that song, and uh, it was just beautiful. I'm thankful uh, that I can call him Jesus, amen? Uh, he, we don't have to... Uh, now, I think we should reverence him. Obviously, the Bible teaches us to reverence our holy God, our, our almighty uh, God, Jehovah, uh, and, and we are to reverence him in, in a godly reverence. Um, but I'm thankful that he's my friend, amen? And I'm thankful that we're on a first-name basis. Uh, you know, if, if I don't know somebody personally, um, I'm, I'm, I have a tendency to call them sir or uh, uh, Mr. Galahar or uh, Mrs. Morgan or something like that. But I'm thankful uh, that I can call him Todd and I can call her Sue because we are friends on a personal level. And that's the same with my Lord and Savior. Uh, I can go to him and say, Jesus, this is Ben. I, remember, I'm your son. Remember, I'm covered by the blood. Uh, remember, I, I met you 10 years ago when I was just a boy. I need you. I need your help. I, I need your assistance. And you know what? He's always faithful. He's always faithful this morning. We've sung about him. We've talked about him this morning. If you don't know him, the title of my sermon this morning is simply, Let Me Introduce You To Him. If you don't know who he is, I pray that by the time I close this sermon, that you'll know him. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 9. If you will, stand with us for the reverence of God's word. The word of God says, And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as home as we know how. Heavenly Father, I need you today. Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit. Father, I pray that you'd help me to crucify my flesh. And God, I pray that you'd help me to get myself out of the way just for a few moments. God, fill me with your word. God, fill me with your spirit. God, anoint me, Father, with the Holy Ghost power. Uh, God, that I may preach the gospel uh, to those that are here this morning. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict hearts. And I pray that they would be uh, drawn unto the cross, that they might receive you as their Lord and Savior. Father, we love you today, and we thank you for all that you do. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord kind of convicted me this week as I'm... Uh, have been reading a book called Unashamed of the Gospel. Uh, and in that book, it teaches and talks about, um, and several pastors have written in this book. And in this, they are writing uh, to the church of today. And a lot of times what pastors have a tendency to, to do, and I've actually talked to uh, uh, Brother Everett and Brother Jason Hutzel this week about this same very thing, is that we have a tendency that we have to... Uh, not show off ourselves, but we have to show off the power of God through us. And, and what we tend to do is we like to preach what these uh, uh, preachers call these camp meeting sermons. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? You've got to have a, a nice title and you've got to have uh, three points that start with the same letter 
You got to have sub points that start with the same letter, and you got to you got to go through each point, and we got to talk about this. And and listen, Jesus Christ may be the center of the message, but the gospel may not be the main point. And today, this week, God has showed me that it doesn't matter how many points I have or how many sub points I have, but the gospel must be the main point. You can have three, four, five, six points, but if the gospel is not the main point then your message is in vain. Because Paul Washer, he said this, he said that when he was a young preacher uh, starting out, he uh, many pastors would call him and, and have him come preach. And, and he said, I always thought I had to have this elaborate message. I had to have this perfect outline. I had to have the perfect Word of God and, and manifest the Spirit of God through me in some way. But he said, I noticed that many people do not understand the gospel. And he said, I went to this place, and uh, he said, there was probably 300 people in attendance. But he said, the pastor came up to me and asked me what I was preaching on. And he said, I told him I was preaching on the gospel. And the pastor looked at him, and he said, sir, most everybody in this church are Christians. Most everybody in this attendance today are saved. He said, yes, but I'm preaching the gospel because we are human beings and we have a tendency to forget the gospel and the power of the gospel. And so this morning, with the help of the Holy Spirit of God, may I introduce to you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It don't matter if you've been born again for 40 years. It don't matter if you're not born again this morning. The gospel has the power to change your life if you'll let it. If you're tired and sick of the way that you're living, if you're tired of the sin that is, uh, has bound you for so many years, friend, you can be set free today by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things I want to introduce to you this morning is that number one, He is a man. Amen. That's the foundation of the gospel. We have to believe that Jesus Christ was not only uh, God in the beginning, amen, uh, before time was created in Genesis chapter uh, 1 or 2, he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Meaning that God, now some people say that there's three gods and they identify uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as three separate gods. But friend, I'm here to tell you that they are one God in three persons, in three identities, they are all the same God. So this morning we must believe that not only is Jesus Christ the Son of God, but we must believe He is the Son of Man. He is a man. He was born of a virgin many years ago. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it said, And she shall bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. He's a man this morning. Just, uh, in bodily form. I believe he's in bodily form this morning. He has our flesh. He, he, he has our, our five senses. He has our, our mind. And, and he, he, the Bible says that we have not a high priest which has not been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Bless God, he knows what you're going through this morning. Because he's a man. He was a man. He is a man. And he will forever be a man. When you get to heaven and you take hold of your Lord and Savior, when you wrap his arm, if you're born again, amen, let me, let me clear something up here. If you are born again and regenerated, when we get to heaven, I believe that we will embrace our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will not be hugging a spirit. 
Understand something. I will not be hugging a spirit. I will be hugging the bodily form of a risen Savior today who is a man, and that man is Jesus Christ. I believe it's in First uh, uh, Corinthians. If, I, if my memory serves me correct, the, Bible said, the Apostle Paul said there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. He is a man this morning. And if we are to be born again, if we are to believe the foundation of the gospel, we must understand that he is 100% man. 100%. He's not 50% man. He's not 75%. He's not 25%. He's not 0%. He is 100% man this morning. David Hawking said, now when we come to his names, there's an interesting thing about the name that was given to him in Matthew 121. It says that his name shall be called Yehoshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation, meaning that Jesus is salvation. In Acts chapter 4 and 12, the apostle Peter preached, and he told them that uh, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name, there is no other God in this world that you might have in your life that can save you from a pit of hell the way Jesus can. Matter of fact, most of the gods that people serve today will lead them straight into the land of destruction, into a fire that is everlasting, into a darkness that is for eternity, into an everlasting heat that will never burn out. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, I spoke with a man. I went, me and Brother Mel went door, door knocking Thursday evening. Spoke to a man. He told me that he had gotten hurt in church as a young child and someone had uh, uh, done something to him that had caused him to have hurt feelings. And he's bottled that up for many years. He's uh, in, in his late 30s now, and he was 10 years old when this happened. And he told me, he said, I've come to the conclusion that I don't really know if I believe in anything. He said, but my grandparents did. And they said, he said, but my granny loved Jesus, but she died of cancer. And he said, I can't figure out why that he let her have cancer. He said, I would rather burn in hell knowing that she's doing good and that she's healthy living in heaven. And I said, sir, you don't have to burn in hell to know that your granny is made 100% whole. And it opened the door for me to share the gospel. Because Jesus Christ, He came. And listen, we can know this morning that He was a man who lived a perfect life, who lived a sinless life to take away the original sin in our life, which is the disobedience unto God, which caused the depravity of man, which meant we had no relationship with God. We could not even come into the presence of God except by the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke with this man for about 15 minutes Thursday evening. Brother Mel, he can testify. By the time that we left and after we had prayer, this man was in tears because I believe the Holy Spirit of God is starting to deal with that man's heart. Pray for him. Pray for him because I, I, I'm going to go back and visit him. I'm going to go back and talk to him. But here's the thing. America and the churches in America have got so far away from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that men and women today have no idea what to believe. 
They have no idea what truth is. So let me give you a preface of Matthew chapter 21. We see uh, this is the triumphant entry of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't come right on a white stallion horse uh, with uh, soldiers around him. Uh, he didn't come in with four men uh, 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 that had him on a kingly uh, throne carrying him on his shoulders. He didn't come in in a triumphant uh, way. He came in riding on a donkey. Uh, he was a humble servant. He was a lowly man, but he was nonetheless a 100% man. And he came riding into this city. And they they were they knew the scripture. They knew the prophecy uh, that there would be someone who would ride in uh, as a triumphant king. And, and they didn't know uh, who it was going to be. And when Jesus of Nazareth said that he was the king of kings, when he said that he was the king of the Jews, when he claimed to be the Messiah, by his appearance, they did not see it. Friend, if you're looking for... Uh, an outer appearance of a earthly king, you will not find that in Jesus Christ. Friend, you will find a humble man. You will find an ordinary man who uh, uh, resembles uh, a poor man or a carpenter uh, uh, by trade. He didn't come in wearing uh, gold about his head. He didn't come in wearing uh, white clothes, but praise God, he is now. He's wearing a, a crown that the angels made out of rainbows. Amen. Remember that song, Dusty Rhodes? There's a song called that. I'll have to sing that. His feet will not trod the uh, 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 dirty streets. He's not going to wear the crown of thorns that, that men made, but he's going to wear a crown made of rainbows. He's a 100% man. He came riding in. To the city into the Jerusalem riding on a donkey. These uh, multitudes, they laid down uh, their coats and they laid down palm branches in the, in the road for him to ride upon, uh, referencing that he was worthy, that he was holy, uh, that he was their soon coming king. It, it was a royal thing uh, for palm branches to be stro strolled uh, down in the uh, uh, road and Jesus came riding in on a donkey. He, he didn't have the appearance of an ordinary king, uh, but nonetheless, they referenced him as king, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, some may not understand what that word Hosanna means. I'm here to tell you this morning that Hosanna simply means save now. Save now. They might not have referenced him, uh, or they might not have believed that he was the Son of God, but nonetheless, they quoted the very scripture from Psalms 118 that prophesied that Hosanna would be the Savior of mankind. He's a 100% man this morning. They said, Hosanna in the highest, meaning save now in the highest. Notice in verse number 10, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? See, people today, they believe in God. They believe that there is a, a higher power that, has, uh, in, that is in control of things. But they, it's hard to believe, and it's hard for people to believe in this man Jesus. Because the very mention of his name the devils believe and they tremble. 
because they know that he defeated them at the cross. So when you witness to somebody, I don't ask them if they believe in God. I ask them if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is 100% man, but he's also 100% God, and I will get there sooner or later uh, in this message, and it may have to be next week, I don't know. But I'm trying to introduce you to somebody who the world says is make-believe, who the world says really died on a cross of sinner's death, but his bones are still somewhere hidden in Israel today. Friend, his bones are not there because he is a risen man who was risen from the dead by the power of God on the third day. Amen? Not 3,000 years later. Not three weeks later. Not three months later. Not three... Three days later. That number three is pretty powerful in the Word of God. It references the triune God, meaning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I have a book that that talks about the number three. and It's amazing when you get into that book to understand how often the number three is referenced throughout. Jesus was crucified with three nails. He hung on a cross as the third man. Three days later, the power of God manifested and raised him from the dead. See, if he was not 100% man, he would not have 100% died. Right? There's a book that I'm reading that that suggests that uh, perhaps, and and maybe I've uh, talked about this on Wednesday, that says that perhaps the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Messiah, came upon Christ as he was being baptized in the River Jordan, and it left him as he was hanging on the cross. Friend, that is not true. Friend, the same Jesus that got baptized in the River Jordan was the same Jesus who really died on the cross, who really laid down his life for mankind because of the sin sickness in the world. And friend, the sin sickness in the world is taking over. It ain't the coronavirus that's taking over. It is the sin sickness of mankind today that needs to be healed. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1-8 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It was prophesied all throughout the Old Testament that there would come a man, that there would come a babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, whose name would be called Emmanuel, and the Bible says he will be the prince of peace, that he will be the, the, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 53. It was also prophesied in, uh, uh, I believe it's in the book of uh, uh, Daniel uh, and other scriptures in the Old Testament, uh, but we can find it all throughout the Old Testament. Listen, the Old Testament is simply a book that is foreshadowing the coming of a Messiah, and that was Jesus Christ. The New Testament is foreshadowing His coming as a reigning King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And somewhere in the middle, it points directly to a cross. Amen? The cross binds the Old Testament with the New Testament. 
Because without the Old Testament, we could not have the New Testament. Without the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, He would not have been made 100% man in order to die for the sins of man. Now, some say, well, how can He uh, be a man and not sin like we do? Well, friend, He was 100% God. He was tempted in all points like we are. I dare say that He was tempted with the same-sex attraction. He was tempted with alcohol. He was tempted with drugs. He was tempted with, with everything that you can think of. He tempted. He was tempted in that way, but the Spirit of God helped him refuse those temptations because he lived by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was sent to do not his will, but the will of the Father which is in heaven. And he said that all throughout his ministry. I am not sent of my own will, of my own ambition, but I am sent of my Father which is in heaven. He's a 100% man. He said, uh, for I delivered to you first of all that... Uh, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture... And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You can find that in Psalm 22. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, and this is Paul speaking, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Can I tell you something that I'm like Paul? Now, I'm not seeing the countenance of Jesus. I'm not seeing uh, the bodily form of Christ. But praise God, on March 23rd, 2010, Jesus Christ passed by my way. Uh, and He set me free from my sin. Uh, he forgave me of my sin. He put me on a solid rock and He established my goings. And that day, Jesus Christ, the man, became a real man in my life. You want to, you want to, uh, uh, most of you women in here probably enjoy a good love story. Y'all probably like reading good love story books and watching good love story movies. Friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't know what a love story is. If you'll just come before Him, if you will acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you are dirty, that you are filthy, that you are uh, ungodly, that you are unrighteous, if you acknowledge that and ask God, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know I'm of no use. I know I'm no count. I know I have no value. But if you will save me, I will live for you. Friend, you'll have the best love story you've ever seen. The best love story will ever come. And you can have it. You can be a part of it. The greatest love story in my wife's life, other than me, is Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. I'm glad He's the only man in her life. Only other man, let me say that. <laughs> you can have the greatest love story this morning if you'll just seek the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. See, people think that Jesus Christ is this is this some mean, angry man who hates sin. Who and, and I will amen that he does hate sin, but they think because he hates sin that he hates us. And that He don't want anything to do with us. And, and that He is just waiting to condemn us to hell. And that He is waiting to, to destroy mankind because of our wickedness and because of our sin. But friend, that's not what He's up in heaven looking down to do. He is waiting for you to come to Him so that He can wash you. So that He can give you a new heart. So He can change the course of your life. So that He can change your destiny.
so He can give you a new love that you've never felt. So that He can show the grace of God and how that He laid down His life. It's a beautiful picture. Listen, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm getting ahead of myself this morning. Verse 17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I'm a born-again believer because of the cross. I'm regenerated by the washing of the Holy Ghost because of the cross. Because of the man who laid his down, who laid his life down for me. He's also laid his life down for you this morning. Because he wants to give you a new life. And that life is eternal life. Not the life that you're enjoying today. And friend, if you don't know Jesus, I hope you are enjoying life. I hope you're having a, the greatest time on earth. Because if you never know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this will be the best life you ever know. Just like I told the man Thursday night, he said, he told me all of, his, all of his beliefs, and I told him, I said, for your sake, I hope you're right. Because I said, believe in what you believe. If I die, my faith is in vain, and there's nothing else. There's no eternity if what he believes is right. But I said, if I die, and you die, and my faith is right, you'll wake up in a devil's hell. And friend, that's just the point of the that, that's just the fact of the matter. Is that if you don't believe that there is two eternities, that there is one to shun and one to gain, that there's one to look away from and the one to look forward to, friend, you will die and wake up in a devil's hell. Because I know that there is two eternities. And it takes the man Jesus Christ coming into your life. Saving your soul, reconciling you unto the Father, sealing you with the Holy Spirit of God, writing your name in the Lamb's book of life for you to escape that awful place called hell. But I told the man Thursday night, I said, listen, for your sake, I hope after, after death there is no eternity and that we just return to the dust. But I said, if I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to wake up in glory. I'm going to wake up to the face of Jesus. And you'll wake up burning in a lake of fire where the fire is not quenched. Where there will be torment for eternity. Friend, I'm preaching truth to you this morning. Because if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, you may not have another opportunity tomorrow. Tomorrow may not come. This evening may not come. But if you do not believe on the man, the Lord Jesus Christ today for the remission of sins, it may be too late. And you may wake up in a death, an eternal death, a place called hell. But Jesus came so that you didn't have to go there. You can't tell me a better love story than a holy God, a just God. Listen, I had all kinds of verses to give to you to to introduce Jesus to you, but I'm just going to give you a personal account. Is that all right? I can't understand the Holy God. I didn't know I was going here. I, I don't really like sharing my testimony, but I know it's the power of God. 
I can't understand a holy God in heaven who is, the Bible says in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 4, that God is love. That's His character. God is love. But He's not the God of love that many portray Him to be today. Because God is love, He must hate everything that goes against His character. Sin is the very enmity against God. Therefore, He must hate sin. But God is love. And it's hard to explain how a God in heaven who is full of love, who, whose very identity is love itself, but He's also holy and He's just. And he, He's full of judgment for those who rebel against Him. But yet He loves them all the way, even to hell. God loves them because He desires for them to be born again. He desires to make them new. Knowing, wouldn't it be awful to die knowing that you could have accepted Christ as your Savior? Knowing that on August the 2nd of 2020, Jesus Christ knocked on your heart's door and you refused to open the door. And on August 2nd, 2020, you may have lifted up your eyes in hell and the Bible teaches us that if you go to hell, there's a great gulf fixed between hell and heaven. And everybody in hell can look across the gulf and see into heaven. Wouldn't it be awful to die and go to hell knowing that you were so close to changing the course of your destiny and you could have stepped off into glory land? I can't fathom that. The greatest love story can be yours today because on March 23rd, 2010, that's when I met Jesus. He's 100% man and He's 100% God. And, and, and I may come right back to this sermon next week because I have more Scripture that I, I can prove to you that He is Jesus, that He really is alive and He really is man. But on March 22nd, 23rd, 2010, I was a 14-year-old boy who seen my first, uh, at the age of 12, someone introduced me to the first uh, pornographic image in fifth grade. I was a churchgoer. My daddy was a musician. I went to church all my life. I was born in church. I mean, I, I born and bred in, in the Bible Belt. Went to church all my life. I knew about Jesus. I knew about the gospel. I knew everything there was to know about Jesus Christ and how that He was born of a virgin. I believed at 12 years old that He was, he was born of a virgin. I believed that He really went to the cross and He died for my sin. But I didn't know Jesus. I just knew about Him. I didn't have a personal relationship with Him. And the truth is, I was trying to run as far away from Him as I possibly could. At 12 years old, I didn't know I, I, didn't know I was really a sinner. But all it took was one person showing me one photo and the devil 
throw one chain, and down I go. Because it wasn't just that one sin. It led to a sailor's mouth. I, I could cuss with the best of them. I could cuss with a 50-year-old man. I knew every book in the, in, in the foul book that there was. I knew every word. I'd cuss out high schoolers. I, I'm in elementary school, and I'd, I, I just got filled with so much anger, so much darkness. I was so miserable at, at such a young age. And I, I'll tell you, I thought I was living the high life. I thought, man, I, I, I'm doing well in sports. I'm doing well in school. I'm, uh, I'm popular. You know, I've, I've got all kinds of friends, I, friends in every school. And there's eight different schools in our county. I had friends in all of them, played sports. Everybody in the county knew me because of my dad, really. But I thought, man, I, I'm going to be something when I grow up. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be well-known. I'm going to have, have, have this and I'm going to have that. And my heart's desire was, was filled with three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And the Bible says that if you are bound by these, then the love of God is not in you. 1 John chapter 2. I was so full. By the time that I was uh, uh, 12, 13, 14, there was so much that I was hiding from my parents that probably still to this day they don't know about. I took my first drink of alcohol at 13. I hated it. Thank God I hated it. But there was other sin in my life that just literally tore me apart inside. At I turned 14 in January and probably by September of when I was 13, probably that September before my 14th birthday is when the Holy Ghost really started dealing my heart. Because I would lay in bed. And I'm, I, listen, I'm a 13-year-old boy. I thought I was a man, you know. Uh, most 13-year-olds now, they think they're grown men. And they think that they can get away with things. And, and I, you know, that was my persona. And that was my millennial uh, mindset. And, and, and I would lay in bed and literally God would get so real in my bedroom that I would literally be in tears. I would cry myself to sleep at night because I didn't know if God would have mercy on me. And I, I, I knew God. I knew about Him. I knew that He was righteous and just, and I knew that He was holy, and I knew all this. But for months, I would lay in my bed, and I would cry, because I didn't know if I was going to wake up in hell or if I was going to have another day on this earth. But honestly, it didn't change my character. It didn't change my nature. I, I would try to quit watching pornography. I would try to quit cussing. I would try to do all these things. I would try to... Uh, as, as some might say, turn over the, the next leaf. I, you know, a new leaf. I, I, I thought I could do all that because I thought, well, I started it so I can stop it. But here's the thing. Our very nature is sin. You have no power to conquer the sin in your life. You have no power to change the sin in your life. The, matter, the fact of the matter is, is that when you do away with one sin... You're going to start another sin. Really, 
you don't stop that other sin. It just doesn't get as prominent as a new sin because sin, it builds. You ever, you ever known a liar? They might tell you a little lie at first, but then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's exactly how sin does. It may start with a little field. It may start with a little cuss, cuss word every now and then. Oh, it might be one beer. It might be that one pill. And I'm not, if you're taking prescription medication, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about you taking it the way the doctors prescribe it to you. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. If you have a, a bodily ailment that you need prescription medication, please follow the doctor's guide and, and, and don't misunderstand me this morning. But all it takes is the devil to say, oh, it's just one pill. Take another one. Oh, it's just two pills. You're just increasing your dose by a little bit. The doctor said you could take it. Once you up it to three, you'll feel better. You'll feel better. Don't you remember how good you felt when you took two pills? Once you just take three. And the lies just continue to build. And what you don't know is that he's got you right where he wants you. Just drink one beer. Didn't it taste good? Drink you another one. You feel that little buzz? Don't that feel good? Drink you another one. See, that, that, as a 12-year-old boy, that's all that my mind was filled with was, oh, it was just one image. What's it going to hurt? Nobody knows. Nobody's seen it. Nobody's seen it but you. As a 13-year-old boy, God met me in my bedroom. Had mercy on me for months, for months. Someone in, invited me uh, to a, a, a Baptist church. They were having a, a crisp, uh, Easter play uh, that year, and it was called Heaven's Gates or Hell's Flames. Some of you may have seen that. It's a pretty popular Easter play. And I went, and as a 14-year-old boy, I just turned 14, I sit in that auditorium. I mean, there was probably 300 people in that building. I watched all the scenes, but at the very end, judgment. They had a judgment scene, and they had a man playing uh, uh, Christ on the judgment th uh, seat. And those who accepted Christ in the play, they would go off to heaven, and the angels would rejoice. And and heaven, I mean, the heaven scene was just beautiful. It was amazing to see uh, that portrayed. And but what got me was the hell scene. Everybody who rejected Christ, everybody who had the opportunity, who was so close because God dealt with them just like He dealt with the ones who accepted Him, God dealt with them people too. And they made the very conscious decision to say, not today. I'll do it when I'm 50. I'll do it when I'm in the hospital and about to die. I'll do it when I'm in the nursing home. I'll do it when I get home. And they didn't get that opportunity. And at the judgment, and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in my pew. By this time, God's all over me. God's dealing, I mean, God is just so strong. And I'm gripping the pew. I'm sitting down, and my hands are gripping the pew. I'm trying to introduce you to my Jesus. 
The Word of God can back me up. But as one by one, the devil would come out and make these mockeries and, and, and just mock these people who said, I'll wait till I get home. I'll wait till I have a more convenient time. I'll wait till it benefits me. I'll wait. And the devil, he would come out and he would just mock them for saying these things and laugh at them in their face, knowing that he destroyed their life and made them miss out on the opportunity to the greatest life that they'll ever know. And he mocked them. And he would drag them to hell and they would scream. And, and, and I know it. I know that it, looking back, I know it was a play. I know that it was an Easter play. But hell got so real to me that night. And I think a lot of times what America needs is they need to see that hell is a real place. And hell and the devil, they need to get real with some people to wake them up. Because hell is a real place. And hell got so real to me. They would drag them into the back room. I don't know where it was, but... You could hear them screaming, and they would scream the whole judgment. You could hear the hell scene. Everybody that got drugged back there, they would be screaming and, and just tormenting people, and, and their demons, they would just be tormenting, and I'm sitting there, and I'm shaking in my pew. Because it, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was so real to me that night that it convicted my heart and showed me that if I didn't change, if I didn't change my way, that that's where I was going. It was as if I could smell the stench of hell that night sitting in that pew. I could feel the, the, the heat the, of the screams and, and, and the torment. I, I felt it all. It was like the Holy Spirit was giving me a supernatural vision into that place called hell. I'm not saying I went there. You can watch all kinds of stuff on YouTube. People saying that they went to hell and came back and went to heaven and came back. Listen, I don't know. I ain't getting into all that. That ain't what I'm talking about. But the Holy Spirit of God made that hell scene so real to my life because of the sin that I was doing at such a young age, knowing that I didn't have the promise of tomorrow. And I heard as if the Lord Himself spoke to my heart. He said, Ben, if it's not tonight, it's never. You can believe me if you want to. You don't have to. I hope you do. Because the Lord may speak to you today. If not today, never. How sad. How sad to know that the man, the person of Jesus Christ, came down to you where you're at. In your sin, spoke to your heart and said, Take my hand, accept the gift that I have, accept my atonement, accept the sacrifice that I, I gave when I laid down my life on the cross, accept my blood, accept my redemption, accept the love that I have for you. And you push his hand away. The next thing you know, you could be walking right into the depths of hell. Friend, He's here today. And He is beckoning, beckoning you to believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Because He was really born as a babe in a manger. Just like my seven-month-old daughter. 
He was really born by a woman, an earthly woman who knew not a man. She didn't have uh, intercourse with Joseph and, and born uh, 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 and conceived Jesus. The Holy Ghost conceived in Mary's womb and she brought forth a son and called his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sin. He was really a babe. He was really a 12-year-old boy who taught in the synagogue and it confounded and it really dumbfounded the philosophers and the teachers of that day. He was really a man who started his earthly ministry at 30 who really healed a woman with an issue of blood that, that had it for 12 years. Who really cast out seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Who really cast out many demons out of Legion because the demons knew who He was. And they said, Jesus, have nothing to do with us. Don't torment us and cast us out into the air, but cast us into the herd of swine. And that herd of swine committed suicide by jumping off a cliff because the swine couldn't handle the demons. If the swine, if the pigs couldn't handle the demons, what makes you think you can? You can't. Jesus really seen blind Bartimaeus. And as he shouted, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He said, Bring him here. And Jesus said, Because of your faith, receive thy sight. And he was made whole that instant. He was really a man who, when four men let down a palsy man in, in front of a multitude, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Rise up and walk. And he took up his bed and he walked. He was really a man who told Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was just sleeping. But as they, as his disciples started questioning and saying, well, if he's just sleeping, why, why, why go? Why, why walk two, journey, two days' journey to this man's house? And he turned and he looked at him and he said, our, our beloved Lazarus, he's dead. He is dead. And he said, I, I'm thankful for your sake that I, I wasn't there. Because now the power of God can be manifested. And as he went, Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here two days prior, our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Can you imagine what Martha was feeling? Martha was probably thinking in her heart, Lord, I've trusted you. I've seen you heal people. I've seen you preach the gospel. I've seen you preach the kingdom of heaven. I've seen you do all manners of miracles. I've seen you heal Mary Magdalene. Why wasn't you here for me? Why couldn't you be here for my brother? Notice, Brother Joe, if you have John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26 says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Very simple question. Do you believe this? Bottom line this morning, that's the question that the Holy Spirit's asking you this morning. 
He is the resurrection and the life. He who may die shall live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let me introduce you to my Jesus. He really died. He really died for my sin. And He shouldn't have had to. I'm unworthy for a God to take my place. To be honest with you, everyone in this room is undeserving of a holy God to lay down His life on a cross for mankind and to die a sinner's death. But you know what? In His great love, in His great mercy, and in His great grace, He willingly gave His life to give you eternal life so that you would never die. Do you believe this? I love what John Tuttle said this morning. It kind of caught me off guard, but it was confirmation to my sermon. Very simple question. Do you have the ticket? Do you have your ticket? Because if you ain't got the ticket, you don't know where you're going. But I can tell you where you're going if you don't have the ticket. You're going to a place of darkness. The Bible says it's outer darkness. Pitch black darkness. An awful place. Miss Sue, if you will, come play the piano. Do you have your ticket this morning? Do you know where you're going? Jesus is that ticket. Jesus is the ticket. Very simple question that Jesus asked. Do you believe this?